This is the Business Storytelling Show, a top global marketing podcast listened to in more than 100 countries, live streamed on social media, and broadcast on DBTV. Christoph Trapp chats with industry leaders to help your company tell better business stories. Here's today's episode. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Episode 637. We're going to talk about the $100 million journey uh, without going over the cliff or off the cliff or something like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure we learn from our failures. Um, The road to success is never a straight line, unfortunately. So I'm excited to talk to the author of uh, $100 $100 million journey, John St. Pierre. John, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to see you. Really glad we're we're finding the time to talk to each other. Um, so, tell me about your book. What prompted you to write the book, and um, who is it for? Yeah, the hundred million dollar journey is uh, really the journey of my entrepreneurial path, and uh, one that had a lot of failure uh, and success. But the pathway to actually writing this book, uh, Christoph, was uh, experienced a major failure five years ago. Uh, really almost legitimately five years ago this week and uh, lost a company that I had built for over 15 years to north of $50 million of revenues and in a moment lost everything and found myself, you know, trying to pick myself back up the payment and, and really trying to realize, you know, what introspectively did I learn in this situation and what kind of perspective was I going to gain from this massive failure? And through that developed seven principles of entrepreneurial success that, that, that I then applied to my current uh, business uh, which we successfully grew to north of $100 million in 2020, 2022, but did it the right way. And that's really what the book is about. And it's for entrepreneurs that are trying to go on that journey of growing their business to become a high-performance business. But it also includes the lessons of how to do it without going off the cliff, which is uh, the subtitle, How to Grow the Business of Your Dreams Without Going Off the Cliff. You know, it's always interesting. Is certainly, uh, I mean, there's a lot of failures that people can run into. Uh, it's great to hear that you maneuvered your failure a few years ago and, and are so successful today. But how, you know, sometimes people say, well, you got just got to learn it yourself, right? I mean, it's like your teenage kids. Um, you can't tell them anything. They have to figure it out on their own. Um, so how do people learn from other people's failures? I mean, is it just, is, is it as simple as reading a book or do they, you know, how do they get there, I guess? How does it connect with them so they don't have to make the same mistakes? Yeah, it's a great point. You know, I can speak from both sides, right? I wish I had read my book before I experienced the failures and, and the situations that I'd faced. However, I had read hundreds of books and still experienced the failure. So you ask a very profound question, which is how can people learn from others' mistakes to not repeat them? And I think one of those, you know, messages that I like to always say is, you know, sometimes the right message from the right person at the right time connects with people differently. And so my book may not connect with absolutely everybody, but if I can impact one entrepreneur to experience success in what they're trying to develop in their business and not experience the type of failures that I experienced, that's success for me. So, uh, you know, you're not gonna be able to touch everybody all the time, but that one message, that one person who hears this podcast, who hears me, who gets the book, who avoids the pitfalls that I faced uh, may, you know, that may change their lives. So that's really what I'm trying to seek out in this opportunity. And I think the second part, 
Christoph, is who you surround yourself. I mean, if you're listening to podcasts like yours or you're reading books like mine, uh, you're there to sharpen your saw and seek out answers and seek out ways to grow uh, without experiencing the pitfalls that you can have if you don't sharpen the saw and don't get wiser as to the path you're trying to get to. And the third one is who you surround yourself with. Are you Do you surround yourself with performance coaches and mentors and advisors and best-of-class uh, professionals who can guide you along that journey? So I think those three components would be my response to that because you know, at the end of the day, this entrepreneurial journey is full of pitfalls. There's things that can actually happen along the journey. You just got to be careful, you know, as you go through it, how do you protect yourself as well? You know, certainly also when people read a book or buy a book, you know, they're ready to learn something. So maybe the example of the teenager that doesn't want to listen to their parents is a little, mm. a little off, off track here anyways. But uh, mm. interesting, I mean, in the book, you talk about the um, American dream and entre entrepreneurial journey. And it's very interesting to me because there's many ways to, to succeed. But what have you found to work, you know, when it comes to your true north and having that strategic business plan? Yeah, I think the biggest lesson I learned was I was growing a business for growth sake. Uh, I had this vision of growing this very, very large business. We were running really, really hard. But I woke up at the end of the failure, realizing I owned a very small minority piece of this business I had co-founded 15 years earlier. And I was growing it for the wrong purposes, for the wrong way, and really not connected to my true north life plan. Like, what did I really want in my life? And a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we're growing our business this way and our life is going this way. And there's really no connection point between the two. And that's just no longer acceptable for me. And it shouldn't be acceptable for entrepreneurs because a lot of times the tail's wagging the dog. We're working 80 hours a week. We're stressed out. We're not healthy. We're not spending enough time with our families. Is that truly what we want in life? Or are we just trying to grow this business dream that we have? And so one of the biggest things I learned through that failure was I had to you know, really introspectively look at what I'm trying to accomplish in my life. Like, what are my goals in the next 30 years, 10 years, five years, two years? How do I align those personal life goals with my true nor with my, with my strategic plan for my business. How can I align those two together? Cause that ultimately is where success is found. You know, what's interesting to me about that comment too, is it's not, I mean, you grow a business or you can grow a business, right? I mean, I'm thinking about my career path and there's some things I just don't want to do as a business. Sometimes people come to me and they say, can you help us with this? And I'm like, well, maybe I can. I can learn it or whatever. But that's not really what I do. That's not really my strength. That's not really my, I mean, passion, I guess, you know. But but at the very least, that's not even my skill set. So I think it takes mm -hmm. some guts to be able to say that's not what our business is and just, I don't know, turn down bad dollars, I guess. Or am I just making that up? Yeah, well, I think you're, you're, you're going on something pretty profound there, which is uh, Jim Collins has this Venn diagram. Uh, the hedgehog concept, right? Which is what does success look like? And that is the intersection of three circles. The first circle is what are you most passionate about? The second circle is what can you be the best in the world at? And the third circle is what drives your economic engine. And if you're not living at the intersection of those three circles, then are you really truly doing what drives you? What's going to make you happy as an individual? And if you're not doing that within your own business, then you don't really find that that true life meaning and true passion and work and what you're what you're doing. So I really look at that that Venn diagram, Christoph, as you know, what does success look like? For example, I think you found it, right? I was looking at your website earlier and all the things that you're doing. You seem to have a deep passion for all of those components. Uh, that's when you truly feel success not only in your career, but then also translates to your life as well. So uh, I think that's really important for entrepreneurs to find 
uh, you know, does your business values, does your business purpose align with what drives you as an individual uh, is a crit critical importance. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, but, it, but it's very hard to actually get there, honestly, especially early in your career. Like when people say, you know, Hey, who is your company for? Who's your, everybody, everybody. I work with anybody that wants to work with me. That's certainly, yeah. um, you know, very easy to say for anybody, but you have to know who you're trying to go after. Mm -hmm. Now in your book, you have a whole chapter on, um, Oh, and then the chocolate swirly chocolate ice cream emoji. Um, does everybody have to go through that moment or how do you, how do you figure out which way to go? I mean, let's say you read your book and and how do you maneuver failures along the way? Yeah, I think bumping yourself and and, and having small falls is part of the entrepreneurial journey. I think the big lesson of that chapter was really we had grown our business, looked back and said, oh, my gosh, we didn't have all these other things covered uh, that are part of the principles of the book. And our business was starting to slide back the other way. And so I think that's why I cover the seven principles of entrepreneurial success is you need to have these seven principles well locked in in order to avoid the pitfalls that you may face along that way. But we're all going to have experiences. We're all going to lose a customer. We're all going to start a new product line that may not work. We're all going to find these different uh, pathways that may not all be successes. They may have you know some pitfalls within them. But I think the biggest true testament of an entrepreneur is how resilient are you? How much grit do you have? Do you persevere through them? But also don't make large calculated risks. You can take smaller, you know, smaller, more calculated uh, risks and and test them, beta test them, you know, test it out a little bit. If it works out, expand it. True, you know, show proof of concept. Way too many times in my entrepreneurial career, you know, we jump too fast into a new ocean. So, oh, let's go over here. Let's go over here. It's a shiny object syndrome. You know, you jump all over the place, only to find out that the riches are in the niches. You know, figure out your your product line, figure out your service, streamline it, and make it scalable. And then once you achieve high levels of net operating cash flow, where you know your business can self-finance further growth in other areas, then make small tests and go. I think the second part of that too, Christoph, is I learned, uh, try to avoid one door decisions. Uh, I made one door decisions in my pathway of the company that we failed that I just couldn't get out of. Uh, bringing you know, private equity firm into the business where they're making a significant investment, take control of the board. Uh, whatever the culture was going to be that business going forward was theirs to make, not mine. Uh, I didn't have that extra door out. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of that situation. If you put yourself in a position where you can always have an out or you can always retract and go back to what you know as your core business, uh, it's a lot safer route. But uh, for those entrepreneurs that chase a shiny object, if you know what your true North life purpose is, you know what your strategic business plan is. You have a little more guardrails around what you're trying to create in that instance. You know, it's it's kind of like you have to have that foresight, right? And we kind of joke here in my household, in my family, but okay, if you win the lottery, what would you do, right? And if the lottery, it's like, I don't know, 800 million or something like that, right? Pretty simple, like buy a house on Hilton Head, on the beach, you know, you don't work anymore, whatever. But there is a, and we're not going to get into my finances here too much, but there is a certain level of winning the lottery where it's actually not enough to not have to work anymore. Do you know what I mean? I mean, maybe in 30 years, maybe in 20 years, but not at my ripe age of 45, right? So you have to kind of understand what's the trade-off, right? How much is it worth giving up of the company? And I think a lot of people, they don't think about that necessarily, especially as you build your, your company as a freelancer or, or whatever it might be, right? You want that investment and give that up. So how, at what point should people think about equity and ownership and you know all those different things? Yeah, Christoph, you, you, principle number one, 
we have seven principles and principle number one is protect and grow your equity. It is the vehicle to which you'll achieve wealth and freedom through operating a business. But even myself and the situations you were talking about, I resonated with, right? We were raising capital and I was going around bragging, oh, we raised 5 million. Yeah, we raised 20 million. But what was happening is my equity was going from here and it was going down and down and down. And I was owning less of this business that I was putting my heart and soul into and ultimately lost control and got fired from my from my own business. So you know, what are you ultimately trying to create has to be aligned with your, your life goals. As I keep mentioning, it's so important. And I had that misalignment. I was bragging about how big our company, oh, we had $50 million of revenue. We had, you know, we're growing, we're bringing all this investment capital. It was fun. It was exciting. But were we, were we growing the, the right amount of net operating cash flow? Were we able to finance more growth without going to get more bank loans, which is putting more debt on the business and the balance sheet? So there's a lot of things you need to consider. Uh, I'm now a proponent of, you know, get, you know, control your equity, get as much as you can, buy more equity in your business. If you truly believe in what you're doing, hold and build for the long term. And if there is a, a capitalization event, if there's a moment in monetization event where you can actually sell your equity, that must mean you no longer have confidence in what you're trying to build or you've lost the passion for it or you don't have a team that can run it so that can become a passive income business, which I love now today is build your team of entrepreneurs so they can run your business. You don't have to run your business. You don't have to be a business operator to own a business asset. Build your team, build the culture, develop your talent. Uh, but if you're not in that position, you just want to sell some equity to monetize what you build, sell and get out. And go do what else you want to do in life, whether it be start another business and, and enjoy the startup life or enjoy the passions of the, the home in Hilton Head, uh, whichever you choose. But, you know, if you're going to sell your equity, you better be darn sure that you're calculating your next step. You know, it's kind of like I liken it to we had an episode with Heather Osgood and, you know, about the she's the podcast broker. So basically there's companies out there. They want to buy podcasts. And her question was, so would you sell your podcast? Like, do you want to stay on it or whatever? Like what? And I'm like. I'm open to everything. I'm open to selling it straight up. I'm open to selling it and staying on, but they're very different price ranges. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To just give it up, like here's the price range for that. To stay on, here's the price range to sell it, and here's my fee to stay on as the host. So I think you have to think about the math and not just about the emotional uh, connection, then also, of course, the financial connection. Um, you talk about reinvesting smartly, and this is always an interesting topic to me as a um, growing up in Germany, right? Like, oh, let's not spend any money at all. Like, what's the cheapest way of doing anything? But talk about how do you reinvest or how do you invest in your company to grow it? Yeah. So, you know, principle one that we talked about was protect and grow your equity. Principle two is build your own capital. And principle three is, well, now you've built your own capital. How are you reinvesting that smartly into your business to further grow more capital? And I think one of the mistakes that I made as an entrepreneur is as we gained capital, as we as we either brought on investment capital and or as our company was growing and generating you know, profits, I was reinvesting and scattering that carelessly into a whole bunch of other areas. We were acquiring businesses. We acquired around 14 businesses. We were going into new verticals. We had no business doing a startup in. Uh, we were kind of scattering all of our money. And what was happening is all of those investments we were making were actually decreasing the amount of net operating cash flow we would generate on an annual basis. And there's something called the self-financeable growth rate. It's actually a calculation that can tell you how fast can your company afford to grow. Well, our self-financeable growth rate was actually going downwards. And if you can't finance your growth, but you're growing, you have to go get more investment capital. You have to go get bank debt and that reduces your equity. So how do you reinvest smartly is how do you build up your operational capacity? 
to produce more at a better margin, at better quality? Uh, how do you make sure you're reinvesting in the right people that you're bringing onto your business? How do you ensure you, and you, you would love this, right? How, how do you get the sales and marketing machine to really generate for your business lines that work, the ones that are really generating the, the most margin or the best product or services for your business before you go start new ones? Like get this one maximized and optimized from a sales and marketing perspective and knowing your metrics before you jump on to the next one. And then and only then should you start looking at new product lines, new business lines, new verticals, acquisitions, and those kinds of things. But that really caught me is if you reinvest carelessly, you can really get caught and it will flow downhill, affect principle two, affect principle one, you may someday fall off the cliff. Yeah, nobody wants to do that, certainly. Um, let's talk about how do you even figure out what is the right business to start or what's the right thing to go after? And I know you talk about start with the why. And I, I have kind of mixed feelings on the whole Simon Sinek thing, honestly. And I'm I'm probably more on the Mark Schaefer side. Who, and he said, Mark Schaefer said, it's not about finding your why at all. Nobody cares about your why. I mean, I care, right? We all mm. care about our own why. But he says we should care about the customer's why. How can we help them? How can we help them be successful? So I know you talk about the why, but how do you find that right mix, finding what's good for you, what's good for the market, and something that you enjoy doing? Yeah, so I, I, I have to go back to, and I'd love to engage in this conversation with you. It's a fantastic one. Um, you know, literally, I was doing a strategic business planning session this morning, and the first video I put on was Simon Sinek, Start With Why. So you're right on point for today's conversation. But I think at the end of the day, why an organization exists uh, is what drives the passion of the team. Uh, and you know what the company does or how they do it, uh, it needs to really relate to the customer and what they need. What problem are you trying to solve? So that's the way I kind of view it. But if I look at it from an entrepreneurial perspective, I think way too often, we do, sorry, not enough times does the entrepreneur look at what they want in their personal uh, career, right? What, what do I want in my life? What drives or inspires me? Uh, then they bring that to the business and go, well, this is what drives and inspires me. How do I do this within this business? Because ultimately I'm the entrepreneur who's who's passionate about you know investing in this business or starting this business up or building a team that's passionate around it. I think it flows from there. And one example, uh, that, Christoph, that may relate to your comment is, you know, I would argue that your, your, what your company is doing shouldn't be what the customers buying your product or services want, the true customer is the person who may buy your company someday. What do they want to see in your business? Uh, so the, the definition of customer can really be thrown around there a little bit. I think there are customers across all the spectrums, right? I'd say the person who's going to buy your business someday is a customer you should build your business for. Uh, the customers buying your product and services are going to be raving fans of what you're doing or something you should be concerned about. Your entrepreneurs are the people within your business that are helping you grow this business asset. You should be concerned about what they are looking for. And then the entrepreneur and what you want in your life, if you can align all four of those into your strategic business plan of what you're trying to build. I think that can be really, really nice. Is the goal always to sell your business though? I mean, I'm just thinking about, so obviously as I already mentioned, talk to Heather Osgood at the podcast broker. If you're interested in buying this show, I mean, I'm open to offers, right? I mean, I'm not opposed to it, even though I love this. I love talking to people like you. I love to hear all the different stories. Um, but I'm also open to it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but is the goal always to sell the company? And if that is indeed the goal, how do you actually do that? I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about even my little company, Trav Digital. Like, what do I sell? The podcast, the website, I guess. 
but it's all me. I'm the only person writing something, right? I'm the yeah. only person doing something. So if I'm not there, like, I mean, I guess there is an audience, even if I'm not there for quite a while, mm-hmm. but what am I selling and how do people, how should companies go about that? Yeah. Well, I, I truly believe ultimately, you know, principle seven, jumping a few principles up in our conversation is how do you move from CEO to chairperson, right? How do you build a business asset that can thrive without you? Uh, if you do have a lifestyle business asset or you're trading your time, uh, you know, think about professional services, right? Where you're a professional coach and you are the, you are the product and service. And if you're not there, well, there is nobody being coached as an example, right? It's hard to sell that particular business. So I understand that. That may not be the goal of that coach. The goal of that coach may just be to make an impact to the world and, and, and coach those individuals. Where I really focus a lot of my attention uh, within the $100 million journey here is how do you grow your business from a lifestyle business to a high performance business? How do you create a, a business that's maybe paying the owner operator income on, a, on an annual basis into a high performance asset that becomes more of a passive asset that can create wealth and freedom for the entrepreneur who doesn't have to actually work in that business every day? So there's a big difference and not everybody wants the same thing. Some people want to have a lifestyle business. That's what their true passion is. That's what they want to build and do. Some people want to grow a high value business asset. And I think it's in on that journey, Christoph, from a lifestyle business to a high performance business where there's a lot of cliffs. And that's really where that, that saying comes is, you know, grow the business of your dreams without falling off the cliff really talks about the pitfalls of high growth. Trying to grow this really, you know, big business comes with a lot of problems. We, we look we call it the growth paradox or the messy middle uh, where, you know, you grow your business. All that gives you is more employees, more customers, more problems, more cash needs, more whatever. How do you do that successfully uh, versus just, you know, saying, look, I'm just going to stay uh, a little small. And I think where that comes from is, some people start their businesses to become a lifestyle business and 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 and, ha- and build a nice core business that delivers for their customers and and have great great products and services. Some people start their business because they want to become the next Facebook or they want to become the next large enterprise and they have different aspirations. So I think it really comes down to what are you trying to accomplish as an entrepreneur? But to answer your question, no, not everybody intends to sell their business, but there are ways to structure businesses for sale for sure if that's a, of interest. And if you do want to do that, then you got to make sure that you're preparing your business for that eventual customer who may buy your business. You know, what's also interesting to me is when you talk about a lifestyle business or, or where it's like you, the person doing something, um, it also depends on what you do, right? I mean, I'm thinking about like, I'm not putting, I'm not fixing people's roofs, right? Yeah. That takes a certain amount of time. I mean, for, um, from a content strategy perspective, there's a hundred different ways to run a business, right? I mean, you could have one coaching call a day and that's, we'll call it a day, one hour of work, yeah. one hour of prep time or whatever. We don't want yeah. to under, under uh, value how long prep takes. Um, or like you do a podcast, right? You do one episode every few days and right. maybe that's it. And if it makes enough money, maybe that's it, right? So it also depends on on, on all those different options. Uh, John, time always flies. I really hope people check out the book. You can I see people have scanned the code. You can scan it down here or over there. And um, if you are watching or listening on Apple, uh, head on over to Spotify. That's where the video version is. And of course, the link is also in the show notes. Uh, right below there, no matter where you're listening. John, the last 30 seconds here, tell us how, uh, who should reach out to you? Who do you work with? That kind of thing. How do people connect with you? Really appreciate you making the time. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for stuff. You know, yeah, please come to hundred million journey.com. So it's hundred M journey.com to learn more. The book was just released on November 30th. So excited to get that in people's hands. Already got some amazing reviews and feedback from the book. 
We have a, a workbook as well at 100mjourney.com that you can download and get access to. And you can also follow me on social channels at John St. Pierre 100. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review the business storytelling show on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. See you then.